What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we always do. How you doing, Rich? I'm sleepy. I don't know why. I don't know why I always turn this into. I always take your question really seriously and like try to tell you how I feel seriously when you're just being nice and introducing the podcast. Uh, I care about how you feel. (laughs) Well, I never ask you back, so I'm just a very selfish man on this podcast. I just want to, I, I like challenge myself to come up with a new adjective. So today is sleepy. And I think that's fair because this, this game was really boring. Right. This game being that Golden State game uh, in the new Chase Center. And we'll throw the final score out there at the beginning. A hundred to 100 to 79. And, and that was the Kings winning that game by 21. And they broke the record of turnovers that they had in the first night of the season they had 26 turnovers in phoenix in the opener they had 27 tonight in golden state and won by 21 points yeah what what (laughs) right i don't understand i mean the warriors are just that bad i guess yeah the warriors had 20 of their own but yeah the warriors are terrible and i so they force a decent amount of turnovers that them being the warriors um, similar to like Chicago does teams that don't play great defense, but they just play you physical and that's going to bother the Kings a little bit. But I felt like most of these were unforced turnovers. Now they're not the definition because they led to steals, but a lot of them just felt like very lazy passes. Sometimes the spacing was a little bit off with, with Bagley specifically, I thought at times. Um, there was a good amount of travels called on the Kings. It really was more so on Sacramento than any credit towards Golden State with their defense. Yeah, I wonder if there's a point where really bad teams kind of see an uptick in forced turnovers if you're bad enough because the other team just doesn't take you seriously. And we'll, we'll start kind of making erratic passes. Or, um, you know, I think the Warriors will kind of. Uh, cheat out of defensive positioning to try to go for a steal when they should probably stay home, and it's not necessarily like they're a there there there's like defensive skill involved. I don't know. I mean, there's like typical examples of guys that I think like uh, like a like a Westbrook. That's the first one I thought of. Who will you know give up defensive positioning? to attempt to, to steal the ball. And then, yeah, like their numbers will look better, but they're giving up more points. So I don't know. I, that 
it felt a little bit like that to me. And then also, like, if you're really, really bad and you're getting blown out constantly, you're going to play against teams that – so, like, you know, eventually garbage time will come on and you'll be going against subs and then subs are more likely to make bad turnover. I just wonder if it's, like I, – I, I question if they're really if, – if them creating more turnovers is skill-based. Yeah, I definitely agree with that there. And it's not like they have – talent on the defensive end aside from Draymond Green obviously um but yeah those turnovers were definitely a low spot for the Kings offense but one of the more positive notes that I saw on their offense is that I felt like they were really attacking the paint um Sacramento I mean Golden State does not have a rim protector aside from Draymond Green when he's down there but a lot of times they're running him with another big as well we know what Willie Colley Stein is like down there and the last two games for the Kings against Oklahoma City, they only had 10 free throw attempts and only eight against that big Knicks lineup. And they upped it a bit tonight. They, they got up to 16. I thought that they did a good job of, of hitting the paint and sort of taking advantage of that defense when they weren't just going on these couple terrible runs that they had. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I think that Marvin does that as well. I, think that getting him back in there is helpful um you know the kings really had marvin or rashawn on the floor the whole time and i don't know if you're okay with the diversion here can we talk about that because i think it is presenting a real issue um tim maxwell pointed out the other day that across the first two games that marvin's been back uh they've only played one minute together, Holmes and Bagley. So, you know, maybe that doesn't seem like an issue. And we, I know that you and I both agree that they are not going to be optimized when playing with each other. But it seems like at this point, you know, Marvin Bagley's return is going to take away a lot of Rashawn Holmes' minutes. Yeah, I think that, like you said, we agreed. We didn't think it would work out, but I definitely thought that they would try it. And I don't see a harm in throwing it out there, especially nights like against a Golden State or a New York team that also is just a really big lineup. Um, so I, I think that they need to to play with it a little bit there. Like I, I have no problem with attempting it a bit. He played next to Colley Stein most of last year. To me, I think it's inevitable um, that it won't work. So, I mean, I, I'm fine with them playing with it, and I think that you're right. Against the Golden State Warriors in this fourth quarter, up 20-something, you should play with it. Or you should put in Giles or Deadman, give him a chance. That was really concerning to me, too. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I'm just – I think it's, a, it's kind of a, a done deal that Holmes and Bagley won't play well together. So – um, it's just unfortunate. I don't, I don't know if there's anything to t- talk about here. I just think that it's unfortunate because Bagley's obviously a very big part of this team going forward, and Holmes has been the best player all year for the Kings, I think pretty much without a doubt. And it's, uh, I think that story is, is kind of over. Yeah, I, and what do you think of, of Bagley really being solely at the five? You know, there was a quote today that um, Luke Walton was saying it was just until he got him acclimated with the four role as well. So it didn't seem like this will be a permanent thing. Um, But what do you think of him solely playing there? I know you've been a big advocate of saying he's a five. Yeah. um, 
I am a I am an advocate of that. I thought that he needed a little bit more time. I think that was where he was headed, you know, eventually no matter what. I thought he needed he needed a little more time and then Deadman would have bought him that time if he was good enough because he could have been a stretch five. And I think with a stretch five you can play Bagley at the four. Um, the Kings don't have a stretch five unless you want to say that's Nemanja Bielitsa and you know, that's okay to say. Um, I think we will see a decent amount of that. But um yeah, I mean I don't know. I, I think that uh that was one thing that I talked with Tony about, Tony Zapteris when he was on a couple of weeks ago. You know, he he was still very concerned with the Kings insistence that Bagley was not a center. And that was one thing that I felt like that was a pre Walton stance. And I think that Walton is not on board with that stance at all. I think he sees Bagley as a five. Yeah. Especially playing a guy like Bielitsa that you mentioned at the five for a while there. Um, I'm definitely glad to see Bagley getting some minutes there. Um, But, you know, you kind of hinted at it a little bit. It was really interesting me to me tonight that he didn't get any minutes alongside Giles, Deadman, or Holmes. None of the three in, and I know Sacramento has this issue with blowing leads, but by the time there were a couple minutes left in the third, and you felt pretty comfortable. Yeah, no, that would be the time for, I mean, there, yeah, there was definitely a point. And then, I was watching the uh, broadcast and Grant and Doug were kind of rationalizing it, saying that, well, you know, Bagley's got to learn how to play with fouls. And he had, I think he had five fouls near the end of there. Um, yeah, he did. And then they were saying he needed to get some extra time to work back into full health and full, you know, shake the rest off and all that. But it seemed a little bit like nonsense to me. I mean, that's the other thing. I, I think that this team might just be straight up done with Giles if they can't get him into this type of a game. It really looks like that. And, you know, earlier in the game, before the Kings started to feel a little bit more comfortable, Yogi Ferrell was out of this rotation too. Um, and it was Bogdanovich and, and Buddy really sharing that second unit ball handling duties. And Barnes was not the one really running with most of the, I say second unit, but it really was three guys coming off the bench with Bagley, Ariza, and Bogdanovich. So... What do you think of of not having Yogi get much of a role? I hate it when Buddy Heald handles the ball. I I really can't stand it. I I get that Walton's trying to make him into this ball handler, defender, more of a well-rounded, all-round player. I don't see that ever happening. He's, you know, he's an older dude. He's not one of these 20-year-olds on this team. Um, so yeah, I, I don't love it, but I think that's like what's happening when Fox, who, by the way, we should say it appears he'll be back on Tuesday. I guess. Yeah. So I think that might be a little bit of, you know, preemptive of that move where Farrell, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't have surprised me if Farrell was out of it by then. So yeah, it, it wouldn't, it doesn't surprise me. They're kind of going away from it now. Then Bogdanovich also running that second unit a bit as well. But you mentioned, obviously, uh, you know, not feeling comfortable with Buddy with the ball in his hands, really running the offense. I'm totally on board with you there. Um, whole lot of turnovers, obviously, not the greatest ball handling ability. And uh, teams are, 
like tonight Golden State was double teaming him a bit and you just don't trust him to make a play, uh, make a pass out of that double team. Uh, I kind of almost expect him to turn it over at times. Um, and I posed a question on Twitter today and I'm curious what your thoughts are. What play do you like better? And say it's, you know, it, the other team's going on a nice little run and you got to pick between one of these plays to go to. Do you prefer Buddy Heald running a pick and roll or a Harrison Barnes post up? Harrison Barnes post up. It's I pretty- trust because I trust it's not that I I love either of those but I trust like the ability to audible into a different look. Like I I trust Barnes passing out of the post more than I do really Buddy not losing the ball in that situation. Right, making the right play. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's what it is. It's decision-making, it's IQ. I mean, there was some stuff on defense tonight that was egregious from Buddy, too. And I I know that's defensive stuff, but, yeah, I mean, the decision-making to me is significantly below average for a starter in the NBA. The ball handling is significantly below average for a guard, starting guard in the NBA. The defense is significantly below average for the starting guard in the NBA, for sure. Those are all weaknesses to me. Yeah, and interestingly, I, I pulled up some of the synergy numbers for those two plays. And Buddy Heald's effective field goal percentage and when running a pick and roll as the ball handler was 58.2%, second to only Luca of guys that have run at least 100 pick and rolls, but almost a 16 turnover percentage, 16%. Um, which is obviously absurd. Um, and then Barnes post-ups was only uh, just barely below 40%, but he gets to the line 26% of the time and only 3% on that turnover percentage. So definitely shows that uh, that decision-making where maybe the Barnes post-up isn't going to get you a bucket every single time, but I'm definitely more comfortable with his passing out of that. Um, right. And I mean, that the, there you're not going to get that reflected in the numbers. Say Barnes gets the ball in the post and decides, you know, he doesn't have the matchup he wants and or he sees someone open for a spot up, you're not gonna get that those points countered into that statistic. Right. Like a hockey assist coming from it or anything like that. Yeah, making making the right decision out of it. I guess I misinterpreted your question too, or tweaked it a little bit to to involve the potential to pass out of it. You know what I mean? Like no, I definitely – no, I don't mind you including that at all. Okay. Yeah, it, it's just like what they're running as the play. I definitely – yeah, yeah, comfortable with your answer there, and I totally agree. Because um, if you're saying that, like, it's gonna, we're going to run a post-up with Barnes and he 100% has to shoot it, then it, it, it does change for me. Yeah, which is fair. Yeah, I was definitely surprised by that Buddy Heald uh, field goal percentage out of running the pick and roll. But – um. You mentioned you mentioned Buddy's defense in this one. Bagley's was really rough to start too. He got switched onto some guards, and that's not great for him. Obviously, the lateral quickness isn't there, um, and he's still getting acclimated to coming back. But it was some pretty rough defense from him. Yeah, let me ask you this because this went into a conversation I was having with some uh, folks. I was talking with Omer, former guest friend of the podcast, Omer Khan, about this. Um, arguing a little bit with him about whether Bagley was an efficient player or not. Um, so I'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, the, the defense, what I think is the case with Bagley is that he's not a positive player yet. Like, yes, he's worth the investment. Yes, he's going to be very good 
and yes, he'll end up contributing to wins. But as of right now, I don't think that he's a guy who really helps a basketball team win games. Is that unfair? I think for the most part, no. Um, I, I think he has stretches of doing it, and that's kind of where you see the potential of doing it long-term and the worthy investment. But for the most part, on a night-to-night basis, I would expect him to not have a super positive impact in that way, no. Especially yeah, just... the defense is terrible. Like the offense, I think you could make a point that he's neutral. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know that I can get there, though, because – it's I don't know we don't have a lot of numbers on this year and it's fair to say that he could have improved since the numbers that we have on him from last year but really really so okay so a Marvin Bagley post up that's the that's the goal with Marvin Bagley is it's to get him into the post they're not necessarily all post ups but you know face ups he could shoot a J in that situation he can try to pass out that's where it's really a problem. This is passing out of the post. Um, but you want to think that he's a dominant post player. And his efficiency is not good. Um, there are just so many other play types that are more efficient. And I know that just in general, a spot up will be more efficient than a post up. Um, and a lot of that is because of you know how open you are when you're taking the shot. But I was just, we were going through this and I think his, uh, yeah, his points per play was about 0.85 in the post last season. and. There's just so many play types that are more efficient than that for the Kings offense that I feel like he's going to be a bit of a black hole. And once you get it down there to him, it's not coming out really. Yeah, and I think we've seen them really letting Marvin run that second unit a little bit. Um, it, it'll be a little different with Fox coming back, the rotations there. But uh, I, I did like a little bit better when Barnes was the one doing that. And yeah, per synergy, uh, the post-up numbers for Marvin last year, it has at .804 uh, points per possession at a 43 field goal percentage in those post-ups and 14% turnovers. We know that he does that. Obviously, more turnovers uh, per game than assists last year. Um, you know, there's hope that the passing out of the post took a little bit of a, of a jump this year just from a few games that we've seen in preseason, but I don't know how much I love Marvin in the post, and it's kind of what you're saying here. I, I would love to see him utilized more, and still really early, obviously, for him this season, um, as a role man in a pick and roll. Yes, I agree with that for sure. That'll be the ideal situation, but that's not what he was used as last year at all, really. I mean, it's you have the numbers in front of you, but to my recollection, he was just not utilized in that way very much. Yeah, uh, Synergy has 24% of the time it was post-ups and 10% as the pick-and-roll roll man. I wonder if this year is much different. I, I haven't seen anything to show me that it's much different. But again, that sample size is probably too small. Yeah, and you know, Walton runs a little bit more half-court offense this year than uh, than Jaeger did last year. But actually, um, do you feel like the, the pace has been higher when Bagley's been out there? Mm, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's... I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't think it's insane or anything, but I definitely have felt a difference. I think just Bagley makes it a it makes a point to really try to be one of the first guys down there. He's got great strides, and maybe it's just the hair flapping behind him that makes him look like he's moving faster. Um, but it feels like it's a little fast. It's picked up a little bit, but more half court offense would make me hope 
that you get a bit more pick and rolls, especially with Fox. Yeah, it's definitely more. Yeah, that would be lovely. Uh, I mean, that's the future of this team is is how well Fox and Bagley can can work and pick and roll. That really, to me, is is all of it. But yeah, um, I mean, since he's replacing, you know, Deadman and Bielitsa, uh, not even Bielitsa, Deadman and Ariza a lot of the time. So yeah, I mean, he's he's other. I mean. I actually don't know because it's kind of homes that he's going in and out for these days. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of interesting to me that I felt like he's been a little bit quicker than Holmes, but uh, definitely not going up against the fastest teams in, you know, Golden State, OKC and New York there. So what other, uh, what other notes you got here, man? Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. I mean, again, I'll just note that Deadman got zero minutes, Giles got zero minutes, and uh, Swanigan got two. Yeah, man, Swanigan was really in the game, like, over those guys. <laughs> two minutes, it. but, like, really? I mean, it, when you when you make it go that late, like, when you hold off, the subs until that late i guess at that point it might almost be insulting to put deadman or giles out there and you're just like all right listen swanigan james these guys know they are getting you know lucky to get minutes so we'll just give these to them but i mean it should have been five minutes into the game they should have given giles the last six minutes honestly yeah i really wanted to see bagley next to one of giles or deadman uh really would have loved to see that pairing but yeah, um, Sacramento was lucky to come away with this win in the end. Lucky they were playing a terrible team and they just can't keep doing this. They cannot. Can I just give a shout out to Jordan Poole, who is doing incredible things? I've never seen someone one for seven tonight. He on the year, he's taken 10 shots a game, played in every game, 10 shots a game. Uh, he's shooting 25% from the field. Oh, man. I've never seen that before. Oh, man. 20, 20, yeah, 24 from three. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. I know he's definitely not shy, and people were excited at the start of the year because he was hitting some of these, but it's definitely a difficult shot taker. He's started a lot of games. Yeah, that's that's this Golden State team, man. It's rough. You got a two-way guy starting, Damian Lee. Yeah, it's remarkable. Yeah. I think he's going to be your next... Uh... <laughs> I knew this was coming at some <laughs> point. I knew this was coming. Austin <laughs> Rivers, Dennis Schroeder. I think just keep an eye on... Hey, Schroeder killed it in that game. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Those guys... Yeah, Doug and Grant loved Dennis Schroeder. That was, I was dying when they were just kept praising him. I was like, oh, my God. But let's work back a little bit. Um, I didn't watch the Knicks game at all. It's the first game of the year that I missed. Um, sounds like it was a good one for me to miss. 
based on the result. But I was just too deep in finals hell. So I'll have to go back and rewatch this sometime this week. But you watched this one, right? I did. And it really just was a another one of these terrible losses by the Kings that were just so used to happening after we the Kings fans are just feeling like they're on a peak and the team's rolling well that you know the ones that we always can circle on the schedule and be like man this would be a terrible loss it's almost like you expect those to happen but I thought that they did a terrible job of getting to the line and into the paint in general they had eight free throw attempts throughout the entire game Um, and and really like New York is a great offensive rebounding team and we know that Sacramento has their struggles there but to completely butcher it and allow how many offensive rebounds here? 14 offensive rebounds. And that meaning that the Knicks ended up with 13 more shot attempts than the Kings in this one uh, really made the difference there. And Grant and Doug said it most of the time, you know, if, if you let a team that had five wins going into it, think that they can compete and pull one out, then they're really going to, they're really going to fight to do that. And they just seem to to want it more than the Kings did at times. And it, it just was a terrible collapse. Like, it, it's inexcusable. I don't think it's really placed on any guy. I think that Buddy Heald obviously had a great night. You know, 34 points, 12 rebounds, which I believe was a career high for him. Um, and got most of those pretty early on. But he was just hitting some tough looks. And the rest of the guys really looked out of it. Yeah, um, what was going on with uh, with Rashawn Holmes? I mean, he he barely got involved. I'm just looking at the box score here, but I'll have to ask you. Yeah, it was just, you know, it felt like they were scared to go down low against these guys, um, which, I mean, I, I get it. They have some okay size to them, but I don't feel like that's the way to go. Um, and, you know, I'm... I believe that Rashawn Holmes ended up guarding um, Julius Randle as well. Um, and Taj Gibson was the other starter there that they had Bielitsa guarding. So he was putting out a lot of effort on the defensive end since that's who New York goes to pretty regularly. And with the strong rebounding of uh, of the Knicks, he wasn't really able to get involved with offensive rebounds and putbacks zero in this game, which is kind of a way to get him going. And with no playmakers out there, you know, Corey Joseph being a little questionable there. And then obviously we know how we feel about uh, about Buddy Heald's playmaking and bogeys is up and down. They just were not able to feed it to him. Yeah. It's interesting just because it's like that's a strength of the Knicks for sure with guys like Mitch Robinson. Some of their best players, most of the best players are big men. But at the same time – is that why they lost, or is this just did the Knicks? I mean, did the Kings just show up and lay an egg? It mainly was laying an egg, and, and like you knew that they were gonna really be hounding the offensive board, um, and Sacramento didn't really care. So it, it definitely it's not credit to the Knicks. It's more so Sacramento coming out and not looking like they wanted it enough. And is this like a bull? Yeah, so a bull situation definitely. where they were just. They're just like, well, we thought they were really bad. So, it, uh, yeah, I was going to ask you uh, um, if you would have watched this game that uh, it, d- this one didn't even feel like 
that much. It, it felt similar to the Golden State one, but New York just looked a little bit more put together. They didn't look as terrible as as the the Warriors did tonight. So, do you feel like the the you're saying that the Kings team played about as well as they did against New York as they did tonight against Golden State? Well, I don't think they played good against Golden State. I, I'll say they no, had no, better right. runs. Um, I mean, like, like in the Golden the State same, game. Do they play at the same effort level? It, I don't, the, I'm just trying to understand your point. Yeah, got it. It was on and off in the same sort of way, and um, I, I think that they didn't. They did the same thing that they did in the first half, where they gave up a nice lead that they had again in the second half. Like when Sacramento got that 16 point lead again against Golden State, then they started to let off the gas, and I think that's why it was just great to see them against Golden State actually get a comfortable win for the first time because they had a lead for a little while there and then just withered it away. I see. So it was more that the Knicks woke up when the Warriors did not. Yeah, pretty much. Gotcha. And then uh, before that one, we we had a couple days off here because like you mentioned, both of us finishing finals here. There was that OKC game that the Sacramento Kings ended up winning by one point, you caught that one, right? What were some of your yeah. notes from that? Uh, this was just a fun game. Um, I'm trying to remember back a little bit, but I obviously remember the ending, which was wonderful fun. Um, I I think more about the real ending, but okay. So, I mean, let's talk about how clutch Bogdanovich is first, I guess. Yeah, he was, he's killing it. And, and even in that um, that New York game, he hit a really big shot down the line. And it didn't end up paying off for them with a win, but he definitely is is a guy that I feel pretty comfortable hitting these shots at the end. And there was one shot, I think it was the one that ended up giving them the lead and the eventual win against Oklahoma, where it like barely yeah. got to Bogdanovich. Oh, are you talking about the like the three to give them the lead? Yeah, it was like yeah. Buddy got doubled and he barely got the pass off. Yeah. I think he this was the one where he uh pump faked was it Chris Paul? He, he, I think it was Paul. He pump faked someone and then got a really, really clean look for that three. And I don't know, we've been talking about him as just being like the clutchest guy on this team. And I think that he has proved that to be the case. And credit to him tonight as well. Like uh, he, he probably had the nicest line of anyone uh, tonight against the Warriors. He's been, he's been on fire. I mean, uh, I'm just looking at these numbers. He had 25, 5 and 5 against the Warriors tonight. Then going back, you know, he had a solid 14 against the Knicks in a pretty rough game, but kept it on point, like 5 of 10 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. And then, of course, in this game, I mean, he had that really, like, the absolute biggest shot of the game and then 17 points as well. Really nice efficiency. He's been killing it. Yeah, and, you know, one thing, I guess, also that was a difference from the New York game was that Sacramento went a little hero ball. I think even in this Golden State one, that that didn't happen as often. I think that part of the reason they had so many turnovers is because there was such an emphasis on moving the ball. Um, and obviously it wasn't the most successful, but they did end up with a good amount of assists as well. You know, 27 assists on 30, 38 makes in that Golden State game. So I thought they moved the ball really well. And then in that Oklahoma City game, only scoring 15 points in the second quarter, not moving the ball really was an issue. I, I went back before this and looked at all the attempts from that second quarter, and it was just every shot temp off one pass or none. So 
I, I think obviously that this Sacramento team is best when many three, four people are touching the ball on a possession. Um, and they, they attempted to do that in Golden State with varied success. Yeah, and then the other side of that, you know, the final few seconds there against Oklahoma City, the defense was really impressive because Bogey left about 14 seconds left on the clock or something like that. And, um, yeah, I mean, everyone played well on the on the defensive position. Yeah, there was 12 seconds left. Uh, Rashawn Chris, Holmes switched yeah. on to Chris Paul. Chris Paul got the switch onto Holmes, which is what he was trying to do. He even like you know flopped. Uh, you know he took he took a decent shot. I mean he was. I mean Holmes was draped all over him, but Ariza sealed off Adams, um, kept him from getting any. I mean, it was a one point game, so you know Adams going to get down low would have been just as problematic. Uh, Bogey did a nice job as well on Ferguson, keeping him clear in the corner, like. This was an amazing defensive possession. And, and yeah, of course, most of the props go to Holmes for absolutely locking down a great, a truly great scoring offensive, a truly great two way point guard here. But yeah, I mean, and Chris Paul tried to flop and everything, and it was just, it wasn't happening for him. Yeah. And, you know, I, part of me thinks I, I was worried a little bit. It's kind of a Chris Paul shot to take a little bit of a difficult fading mid range. But like you said, it was, it was greatly covered by the Kings and definitely don't know if Marvin Bagley would have done as good a job defensively there on Chris Paul. That's a great point. And he absolutely would not have. Um, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm rewatching the video again and again here. So just as it was a great play, but Holmes even pokes the ball away. And early in the possession. And then, you know, Paul gets it back and is able to put up a contested fading too. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this is, this is amazing on ball defense from a guy that really is not as much as we like his defense. We don't sit here and say he's an amazing on ball defender. Right. We, yeah, we got the advantage in speed. I mean, this guy, Holmes is a solid six ten, no question. Yeah, he definitely is. And, and it's just, you know, an effort level to really just stay in front of him. And I think he's got not great lateral movement, but enough to pull it out at times. Definitely better than what Bagley has shown. He does a good job of keeping his hips um, aligned rather than turning them. And yeah, it, it was definitely an impressive possession by Holmes and the rest of the Kings. They're great to pull out that win, especially against a team that they really are competing for a playoff spot for. And actually, speaking of, right now, the Kings are sitting in the seventh seed. Yeah, they are. Even after that win, they were. I mean, even after that loss against the Knicks, they were, which was shocking. But, yeah, absolutely. And and this game against the Thunder was also Bagley's first game back. Um, how have you felt about him just in general? Like, we, these three games we're talking about right now have been Bagley's three games back. Are you – hmm. Compared to what you expected across his first three games, are you higher, lower, or about what you expected? Um, it's definitely been rough, but almost in the ways that you expect it from Bagley. I, I think that the New York game was the best. In that OKC one, he definitely looked like he had some jitters in him. I believe his first shot was a face-up air ball. Um, and yeah, so I, I think it's... Sp- sort of just what you expect really which isn't 
great basketball, to be honest, but occasional little flashes and using his athleticism, nice little putbacks and and such. And the defense, I, I definitely was hoping would be a little bit better, but yeah. What about yeah. yourself? I think you hit the, the nail on the head there. It has been a little bit tough. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I really worry about my, my like macro concern about Bagley. And I've said it before, and I have yet to be proven wrong about this. And, and hopefully one day it will be proven wrong. But my macro concern about Bagley is he's a guy that's going to put up really nice stats, but not actually contribute to winning basketball. Um, I just worry like tonight he had 17 and six and like, you'll see that and you'll be like, you know, it'll be so easy for people to be like, Oh, you got to start Bagley. He's obviously really, really good. Um, and it's like, well, yeah, I mean, hopefully he will be, but I don't, I think that Rashawn Holmes is the better player right now. And I think there's a lot of players that are better in terms of winning games. I mean, 10 and 7 against the Knicks, 11 and 6 his first night against the Thunder. Those feel like the numbers of a guy that is going to get a shit ton of playing time. And of course he is. And he's going to get the playing time anyway because he's going to get the investment because he's the second overall pick. But I just, I wonder, I mean, he's going to get, he's going to average 20 and 10 across the time that he starts. And I don't think that it's going to make the Kings a better team. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I think that a, a lot of what I see is when he does face up, I, I think he has a really good ability to get past people. And if he's able to start finishing with that right hand and not be so um, predictable and almost telegraphed with his finishes in ways, that that could really do it for him. And obviously being able to pass out of the gravity that becoming a good ISO player would do along with becoming the pick and roll guy with Fox um, and then the defense, I mean, the lateral quickness obviously shows that it's not great. You hope that that could develop a bit, but I mean, if, if he's going to be a five, it's really about verticality and being the, the help defender there. Um, and in regards to him versus Holmes, you know, a question I've had and kind of been debating with myself is, do you feel like Holmes could be a somewhat long-term piece for this Kings team? I don't know. I, I think that he should be. I think that he could be. And there was a time when I said on this podcast that I think that he is going to end up just being an elite bench guy, an elite role player, but not a cornerstone. And I think that's, that is where I'm at. It's not that I think that he's not good. It's not that I think that he should be benched. It's not that I, someone I think misinterpreted that as me saying that Deadman should start and, and home should get no minutes. Um, but no, I, I just, I don't think that he has the insane ceiling of a Bagley. 
Um, but Bagley also has a much lower floor. It's just like I see it all with Bagley. Of course, like like you're saying, he's very quick in the face up. Um, you know, and he what's really dangerous about him, or what if he if he figures it all out, what's so scary to opposing defenders with him is that he can jump so high. Um, you know, he just releases the ball at such a high point. There's, it's impossible to defend his shot when he's that you know, little baby hook. Yeah. I mean, you can't defend it, but if it's not super accurate, it's not super accurate. Um, and some of those, you know, and it, like you said, the telegraph nature of it with his left hand, it's like, and he needs to get stronger to get positioning down there. Right. Right. Absolutely. And then I think on defense, I think I actually love his lateral quickness and I love his athleticism and ability to move on defense, but it's the, it's the understanding of when to move. Um, it's not there at all, not there at all yet. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, he's just such, I could honestly see him being, uh, the shot I'm, I'm honestly, the shot is like, I don't even, I don't think he'll ever, ever bring that around. I mean, I think he could get it up to like a 30, 32% type of look. And that's, that's not bad. That's like a good thing to have, but I don't know. I hesitate to say that he could ever be like a third team, all uh, like a, like an all NBA third team guy. I'm rambling right now. I'm just, but like, I think he has legit all-star potential, but then I also think he could just be like a total stat suffer without adding wins. And so I don't know. I'm worried, but whereas Holmes, I feel like he's proven to me that he can contribute to winning basketball. Yeah. I think that's, that's totally fair. And on the home situation, I, I mean, like we've said the comparison over and over, but it really is Montres Harrow. Like I, I see it so much. And, and in regards to, to eventually keeping him on this team, just to kind of mention it a little bit here, um, Sacramento does have him for one more season after this, and then they would only be able to offer him a 120% of his current contract. He's on about 5 million per year right now. Um, and it would more than likely mean they'd have to be using that MLE, right? Um, they have bird rights on early bird rights on, I believe. Okay. So do one seventy-five. Got it. I believe. I, I'm not. I'm not like a great cap guy. We can we can hit up Jeff Siegel. Um, he can answer that for us. But I believe you can go up to one seventy-five. But I think you can get around eleven million on an extension. Um, yeah, there's moving pieces. I. That's moving pieces. I think that there's a lot of basketball to be played before that happens. Right. And like you said, Bagley clearly is the guy with the higher potential. And I think him being that number two pick and, you know, being picked over talent that's like Luka Doncic, I mean, the front office really has to roll with him. And I think the team ceiling in general is very reliant on Bagley. So as much as it might hurt winning basketball right now, and you hope that it doesn't affect it that bad, you kind of think that he has to get this play over Holmes, no? Yeah, no, he does. He has to, and it's tough. I mean, I, I love actually that Trez is still Holmes's best comparison because, you know, Trez comes off the bench. So maybe that's the, that's the ideal situation maybe. I mean, Bagley can start all he wants, and he can be happy with those starting minutes, and he can be happy with getting all these points and all that stuff, and that's great. Uh, he can't complain. <laughs> Um, and then Harold can, can be that killer six man, the Harold bogey connection. I was just going to say, yeah, Google Trez. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, 
One other note on another guy that I think was the one that I felt like was comparable to Holmes in regards to who had had the best season for the Kings, it's Harrison Barnes, but he's really struggled recently. And I'm curious what you think about it. Um, This is not including the game against Golden State. The 10 games prior to that, he's been at 16 points, about six boards, three assists, two turnovers, and it's the splits, really. 42% from the field, 31% from three. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... It doesn't feel like he's making any... or attempting tougher shots or anything, right? No. I mean, it doesn't feel that bad to me. I mean, there's, like, a lot of starting basketball players that have, like, 42 or 31 splits. And considering you can find the good and bad patches in any any player's season, I'm not – that doesn't scare me that much, honestly. Yeah, totally fair, totally fair. I think he just started a little higher, and people are up and down with their shooting. Yeah, the 15 games prior to that, 50% from the field, 39% from three, um, which you don't expect him to keep up that level – but it'll meet somewhere in the middle of those two. Right, right. No, that's exactly where I'm at as well. He did start super, super hot, so maybe maybe it's a little more noticeable. But, I mean, he's he's going through a little slump, but at the same time, like, his team, the lineups he's been in have been really tumultuous, you know. I mean, maybe playing alongside Joseph is not as easy as we think in terms of spreading the floor. Maybe the shot quality has dipped a little bit. Yeah, they're asking a lot of him on the offensive end, obviously. And De'Aaron Fox, likely being back on Tuesday, should do a lot for that, man. How do you feel going into this Charlotte game? And what should the expectations be for Fox coming off? Missing a lot of games. Um, I have no real expectations. I want him to take it slow. I, I mean, he's the future of this Sacramento Kings team. I think that the Kings should treat him as such and take it as slowly as possible. Really, I, I, I mean, I don't even care if you drop a couple of games. I, I understand that the playoffs are important and that the Kings are actually in the playoff race despite all, you know, all indications early on of what would happen. But if you lose Fox, uh, it's another injury, re-aggravation. That's your, that should be your season gone. That should be uh, putting years in jeopardy if he gets – could put your franchise in jeopardy if he gets really, really seriously hurt. So, yeah, take it slow. Yeah, definitely. Plenty of logic behind that. I think that everyone could agree that he definitely should take it slow. But um, I'm feeling pretty good knowing that, you know, this team that has had some consistency issues is going to get a guy that I think in at the start of the year, he really showed five, six-minute stretches of being able to take over some of these games. I think that he did it against Portland, um, a bit and it wasn't too necessarily leading to wins at the end of the day but the rest of the team seemed like they got it figured out I thought Fox was having a really nice start of the year albeit only nine games so I- I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good with Fox coming back into this team especially considering that it's been a very short rotation recently yeah how are how are you feel how are you feeling Brendan <laughs> That's what I want to know. I am feeling good, Rich. You know, a lot of times that on the spot you ask me to drop percentages about how I'm feeling about things, and I swear <laughs> it makes me not sleep at night because I'm like, man, I was so <laughs> optimistic that I, why did I say 65% chance that it would make the playoffs? What am I thinking? And literally after we hang up, I'm like, man, I should just edit this out, this is bullshit. Yeah. 
<laughs> what is it now? <laughs> I'm still feeling good. I have a reason for optimism, I feel like, but six- I'm sorry. I'm just I'm bullying you at this point. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. I th- I mentioned this because I I'm- want you to sleep well. I, I want you to take care of yourself. <laughs> I'm still feeling good. I'm higher than your 33, but I I'm in between like this 40 to 45 mark. I, I think that with De'Aaron coming back that the Kings are really going to show that they should be at the top of this second group that's going on in the Western Conference that we've kind of mentioned with Sacramento, OKC. Um, wouldn't be surprising to see them move on from you know Gallinari. Uh, Phoenix has slowed down a lot. Minnesota has their issues. And yeah, of course, San Antonio and Portland got um, they're not all too far behind either, but I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good with what we've seen from the Sacramento team. Um, obviously, been up and ups and downs, like we said, but I'm sitting about this 45 mark that they make the playoffs, man. 45 still seems a little high to me. Um, with losses like the Knicks, I mean, you, I, admittedly, I didn't watch it. You watched it, so, but like you're losing games to the Bulls and the Knicks. I don't know how you can really be confident in this team but that's the thing about this team is like I, I mean it really does feel like they could win or lose any game any night like they're just it's so erratic and what they're getting out of each guy each night changes so much and I don't I ultimately don't think that's a good thing um, it's a better thing than what we thought we had a sure thing of them being awful after five games um, I think that was one of the nights that you dropped a percentage. I think you said like <laughs> like 80% Walton would be fired oh, this year. Or yeah, I think it was crazy. a little lower, but yeah, let's, we don't but, even mention that. I thought we it was like nine. I, I, thought it was, <laughs> I think I said like 70. Yeah, it was rough. It was high. It was high. It was I mean, it was, it was over 50, I think. So, but like, that's the thing. Like, that's <laughs> like this team, it's really hard to get a handle on this team. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe every team is like this, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like most teams we know what they're about. We know where they're at. Um, yeah, it's a roll of dice every night in Sacramento. So hopefully, getting Bagley and Fox back, maybe you get some more consistency and you figure out like you get back to like okay, this is the team that we knew and are familiar with, and hopefully we'll figure it out. Well, so I think outside of those first five games that they've been in fairly nice situations, like in that New York game, I thought in the Chicago game at times that they looked like they were going to be in control of it. And my thought is Fox coming back is will be the leader of the team and really you would hope be able to – someone that can stop these runs. Like I trust Fox to be able to go out there and get a bucket when the team needs it. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. More than anyone I, else right now. I think that's fair, but I also think it's a little simplistic. And, I, and like I'm saying, I'm worried about – Bagley's ability to actually win basketball games. So, like, and I get it, they were in a, I don't know, I'm not like here to be like, they were in a position where they could have potentially beat the Knicks at home, so they're going to make the playoffs. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally fair. Totally fair. So, do we make predictions for this road trip? Do we just not talk about it? Let's not talk about it. All right. Got anything else here, man? No. Uh, (laughs) uh, Have a good, have a good night. Sleep tight. Oh, thanks. Thanks. (laughs) I'll feel real bad about that number later tonight, right after we end this. All right, man. That (laughs) sounds good. I'll talk to you Tuesday. Yep. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you guys later.